0: We're reading from 1 Corinthians, chapter 7, which is on page 1148. Now for the matters you wrote about, it is good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman. But since sexual immorality is occurring, each man should have sexual relations with his own wife and each woman with her own husband. The husband should fulfill his marital duty to his wife, and likewise, the wife to her husband. The wife does not have authority over her own body, but yields it to her husband. In the same way, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but yields it to his wife. Do not deprive each other except perhaps by mutual consent and for a time so that you may devote yourselves to prayer then come together again so that Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. I say this as a concession, not as a command. I wish that all of you were as I am, but each of you has your own gift from God. One has this gift, another has that. Now to the unmarried and the widows, I say, it is good for them to stay unmarried as I do. But if they cannot control themselves, they should marry, for it is better to marry than to burn with passion. To the married I give this command, not I, but the Lord. A wife must not separate from her husband, but if she does, she must remain unmarried or else be reconciled to her husband, and a husband must not divorce his wife. To the rest I say this, I, not the Lord. If any brother has a wife who is not a believer, and she is willing to live with him, he must not divorce her. And if a woman has a husband who is not a believer, and he is willing to live with her, she must not divorce him. For the unbelieving husband has been sanctified through his wife, and the unbelieving wife has been sanctified through her believing husband. Otherwise your children would be unclean, but as it is, they are holy. But if the unbeliever leaves, let it be so. The brother or the sister is not bound in such circumstances. God has called us to live in peace. How do you know, wife, whether you will save your husband? Or how do you know, husband, whether you will save your wife? Nevertheless, each person should live as a believer in whatever situation the Lord has assigned to them, just as God has called them. This is the rule I lay down in all the churches. Was a man already circumcised when he was called? He should not become uncircumcised. Was a man uncircumcised when he was called? He should not be circumcised. Circumcision is nothing and uncircumcision is nothing. Keeping God's commands is what counts. Each person should remain in the situation they were in when God called them. Were you a slave when you were called? Don't let it trouble you, although if you can gain your freedom, do so. For the one who was a slave when called to faith in the Lord is the Lord's freed person. Similarly, the one who was free when called is Christ's slave. You were bought at a price. Do not become slaves of human beings. Brothers and sisters, each person as responsible to God should remain in the situation they were in when God called them. Now about virgins, I have no command from the Lord, but I give a judgment as one who by the Lord's mercy is trustworthy. Because of the present crisis, I think that it is good for a man to remain as he is. Are you pledged to a woman? Do not seek to be released. Are you free from such a commitment? Do not look for a wife. But if you do marry, you have not sinned, and if a virgin marries, she has not sinned. But those who marry will face many troubles in this life, and I want to spare you this. What I mean, brothers and sisters, is that the time is short. From now on, those who have wives should live as if they do not, those who mourn as if they did not, those who are happy as if they were not, those who buy something as if it were not theirs to keep, those who use the things of the world as if not engrossed in them. For this world, in its present form, is passing away.
1: Thanks so much, Deborah. Hello, everyone. Uh, My name is Madush, if we haven't met. Um, Please do keep your Bibles open um, onto that page. We'll pick it up from the top of page 1149. But let's ask God to help us as we listen to him now. Heavenly Father, thank you for the generosity that you show us through your son, Jesus. Would you help us to see him today through these words, and to be satisfied in him amen i always loved the story of aladdin i'm sure you've come across it it's about a street kid who gets his hands on a magic lamp he he befriends a wish granting genie falls in love with a princess it's got everything now here's the scene where aladdin's first wish is granted i wish to become a prince. You see, he's fallen for the princess of Agrabah who can only marry a prince. But of course being a prince also happens to solve all his other problems. Well, what about you? If, if you had the lamp, if the genie was yours to command, what would you wish for? If there's one thing that you could change about your life circumstances, what would it be? Give it a genuine think. What is it that you would ask for? And then tell me, what difference would that make to your life? See, if you are anything like me, There are times that you think to yourself, if only this one thing in my life would change, life would be so much better. See, we can all very easily long for our lives to look different from what they are. The danger is that can leave us dissatisfied and disappointed. The greener grass is always in sight, but it's just out of reach. And because we can't grasp it, we, we feel that we're missing out on the best life right now. Now, maybe that's true for you, particularly as we've looked through these chapters of 1 Corinthians. See, these chapters have scanned our lives, and not just superficially, intimately. It's as if someone's opened our cupboards and uh, opened our drawers and rifled through them. These chapters have put a mirror in front of us and forced us to look carefully at ourselves. Sometimes when that happens, it's really easy to feel dissatisfied. We can think to ourselves, I wish I was married. Life would be so much easier if I was married. Or I wish I'd never married. Or I wish I'd married better. That my spouse was more considerate, or gentle, or romantic. I wish my sex life was better. That it was more satisfying. Or that it was under control. Or Or perhaps it's in other areas of your life. I wish my work situation was better. I wish that close relative hadn't died. It's had such an impact on me. I wish I'd been able to have kids. Or that my kids were easier to handle. See, we so easily long for something else. And that's understandable because life can be so tough. The Bible isn't blind to that. God isn't blind to that. Uh, This part of 1 Corinthians certainly isn't. Uh, But those tough parts of life leave us feeling that uh, we're in trouble, that there's this one problem. Uh, And if that was changed, everything would be okay. Following Jesus would be easier. Well, if that's you, if you're sitting here and you're feeling that, then listen to these words of hope from 1 Corinthians 7. See, this is speaking to people who are hoping for change in their lives. And this is what God says in verse 17. You can take a look at it. It's, a, it's right at the top of page 1149. And this is the key verse. If we get it, it unlocks the whole chapter. This is what God says to people who are hoping for change. Nevertheless, each person should live as a believer in whatever situation the Lord has assigned to them, just as God has called them. Do you hear the hope in that? You can live for Jesus in any circumstance of life. Now, that's not ignoring the need for us to turn from sin. Living for Jesus will always mean turning away from sin to follow him. And 1 Corinthians has very clearly challenged us on that. We won't belong to Jesus. We won't inherit his kingdom if we treat sin as if it doesn't matter. But difficult circumstances, external situations that we wish weren't there, Don't stop us from living as a believer. That situation that you are longing to change is described here as the situation that the Lord has assigned to you. It's not random chance. It's not a mistake. God isn't withholding His good gifts from you. Now, your generous Father has lovingly, carefully, deliberately, purposefully assigned those circumstances for you. Now, that might sound like a hard truth, but Paul here writes as if it's a brilliant truth. Because there is no external situation in your life that can stop you living for Jesus today. There's nothing in our past, our our present, or our future that can prevent us from being fully committed followers of Jesus. Now we'll see that applied in these verses that follow to specific areas that the Corinthians were struggling with. Their, Their religious background, their social standing, and throughout the chapter to marital status. I'm going to pause here for just a moment to manage your expectations. Uh, There's a lot that we've read in these verses, there's a lot that is challenging in them, but I'm not going to deal with that. Uh, Today I'm just going to deal uh, with the controlling truth of this entire chapter. And we're going to focus on the middle part of it verses 17 to 24. We will cover all of the detail on our teaching day next week so come along for that. I hope what is already becoming clear to you is that you don't need to be thinking about being married or being unmarried to come along because this chapter is less about marriage and more about being satisfied in Jesus, whatever our situation. It's about living fully devoted to Him today. And that's why a chapter that seems to be about marriage focuses on circumcision and slavery right at its center. Because it encourages us to be satisfied where we are. In whatever situation God has placed us. There is no external situation in your life that can stop you living for Jesus today. And so from verse 18, let's think about religious background. You can look down and pick it up with me. Was a man already circumcised when he was called? He should not become uncircumcised as if he could. Was a man uncircumcised when he was called? He should not be circumcised. A circumcision is nothing, and uncircumcision is nothing. Keeping God's commands is what counts. Each person should remain in the situation they were in when God called them. So in Corinth, Jews and Gentiles alike were coming to faith in Jesus as the message of the cross was proclaimed in their city. It would have been so easy for a Gentile convert to say, you know, I wish I'd grown up having the privilege of being taught the Jewish scriptures. Or for the Jewish convert to say, you know, I've spent all these years counting on my status. Working so hard to obey God's law. I wish I was like these Gentile converts who seem so much freer to live in God's grace. Well, God knew what He was doing when He called you, He didn't make a mistake. Have you ever heard someone tell a great story of how they come, came to faith? And you sometimes think to yourself, Oh, I wish I had that experience. Or you hear someone who's grown up in a Christian family talking about how they were brought up. And, and you think to yourself, Oh, wow, that, that's amazing. Parents who, who read the Bible with you every day. You prayed together as a family. Wow, I, I wish I had that. I'd be a much better Christian if I did. Well, God didn't make a mistake with you. The Jew doesn't need to become a Gentile. The the Gentile doesn't need to become a Jew to follow Jesus. Well, what about social standing from verse 21? Again, you can follow it with me. Were you a slave when you were called? Don't let it trouble you. Although if you can gain your freedom, do so. For the one who was a slave when called to faith in the Lord is the Lord's freed person. Similarly, the one who was free when called is Christ's slave. You were bought at a price. Don't become slaves of human beings. Brothers and sisters, each person as responsible to God should remain in the situation they were in when God called them. Hear it again? Except this time it's much more uncomfortable to hear, isn't it? Because it's calling us to stay in a hard situation. And now the slavery here wasn't on the same scale as 19th or uh, 18th or 19th century slavery, or, or even modern-day slavery, where people are dehumanized and vulnerable to abuse. But being a first-century slave was no walk in the park either. You might have been better treated, but you still didn't have freedom. You couldn't uh, choose how to use your time, for example. You know, other other Christians in the city are getting together for church, but you couldn't just make up your mind to drop your duties and join them. Sorry, boss, just going to nip out to church now. Can't do that. And so you can imagine the longing. If only I was free, then I could properly follow Jesus. But you see, such thinking makes the assumption that our external circumstances control our ability to follow Jesus. If only I didn't have to work so hard, then I could join a small group. It's my work that's stopping my faith from flourishing. Or it's my kids. If my kids weren't so young, of course I'd be able to commit to so much more. Or if I was married, then I wouldn't struggle with self-control. I'd be sexually pure and able to wholeheartedly follow Jesus. Do you hear the danger? I'll follow Jesus when my situation is different. I'll follow him better when life is easier. Tomorrow I live for Christ. I fell into that trap. We got married just before my final year at Theological College, and I thought, Look, it's all going to be easier when I don't have to spend so many late nights writing essays. I'll love my wife better then. I'll be more committed at church. I'll have better devotional times. And then we moved to a new city and we started new jobs. And I thought, it'll be better once we get settled down. And then I was working 60 hour weeks. And I thought to myself, look, it's going to be better once this ministry is established. and I don't have to work so hard. Then we had our first child. And I thought to myself, it'll be better once he starts sleeping through the night. See what's going on? The greener grass is always just out of reach. There's always an excuse for why I'm not following Jesus wholeheartedly today. The danger is that I think I'll be satisfied, that I'll follow Jesus better if only this one thing changed. And so I wish for something different. But let this truth give you hope. There is no external situation in your life that can stop you living for Jesus today. Even great hardships Even great suffering, being a slave, for instance, cannot stop you living for Jesus. God has called you. He has assigned that circumstance to you. It's not an accident. He wants you to depend on Him in your need so that you live for Him today. Well when we zoom out then we we get the whole chapter in view and, and then we realize it's talking about marital status. What about that? Well first I want you to realize that the principle to the chapter is exactly the same. Stay where you are. Remain in your situation. If you're married, stay married. If you're unmarried, it is better for you to remain unmarried. Marriage is not the solution to life's struggles, neither is singleness. I struggled with sexual purity and self-control before I got married. And you know what? Getting married did not magically make me more self-controlled. Yes, it allowed me to express my sexuality in the context for which it was designed. And so the details changed. But different circumstances didn't change my heart. I continue to struggle with sexual purity and self-control. If you are married or if you are unmarried, that is the gift that God has lovingly Purposefully given you today for your good, God is doing something through it in your life. He's working out His purposes for you. And so, take a look down with me at uh, verses twenty-nine to thirty-one. It's it's right at the bottom of that column. Verse twenty-nine. What I mean, brothers and sisters, is that the time is short. From now on, those who have wives should live as if they do not. Those who mourn as if they did not. Those who are happy as if they were not. Those who buy something as if it were not theirs to keep. Those who use the things of this world as if not engrossed in them. For this world in its present form is passing away. Those are strange words, aren't they? The Bible has such a high view of marriage, and yet it says here, live as if you weren't married. You see, Paul is not saying, ignore the fact that you're married. Ignore your grief. Ignore your joy as if it doesn't matter. No, God is lovingly saying to us that these circumstances of life can so easily consume us. They can become our everything and dominate our lives. And when they do life will disappoint life will dissatisfy we will be tempted to scan the horizon for greener grass i wish that situation was different god could you please change that thing in my life so i can serve you better listen to god he's saying live for me in the tough situation Trust me with it. Don't seek your contentment and peace in your earthly circumstance because it will never satisfy you. What you're after is me, Jesus. See, Jesus is enough. He he has done enough. If you're trusting Him here today, then you are united with Him. That's one of the wonderful truths we've been reading in these last couple of chapters. Through your union with Jesus, His death is yours. His resurrection life is yours. God is making you like Him. He is preparing you to live and join Him forever. Jesus is worth enough. So let Him be your everything. There is no external situation in your life that can stop you living for Jesus today. Who you are in Jesus, the work God has done in you, is far more significant. See, there were some in the Corinthian church living as of sin didn't matter as if sexual immorality was nothing. And so others came along and said, look, if sexual immorality is the problem, we've got the solution. We'll just avoid it altogether. Don't get married. Don't have sex. But sex isn't the problem. Sex is a good gift from God. But sex is also mainly not about sex. Sex that honors God Is an expression of relational intimacy in marriage that deepens that intimacy. What we're really longing for in good sex is deep intimacy. One of the dangers of married life is that sexual union doesn't fully deliver the intimacy that we long for. It dissatisfies. It leaves us wanting more. And then sin comes along and and promises to fill that gap. So we have affairs. We watch pornography. Or married life just becomes discontented. What we're longing for is perfect intimacy. And that's something that only Jesus can satisfy. Whatever your marital status, God isn't holding out on you. God is offering you the absolute best, Himself. On the day you stand in front of Him, on the day you meet Him, you won't be thinking about sex, you won't be longing for it, because you will be fully satisfied in Jesus. You will have the real thing. And that's why throughout this chapter, Paul has no interest in laying down new laws that have no power to change us, that make no difference to our hearts or to our worship. Now, we've read through 1 Corinthians how God's power is displayed in the cross. And it's through that that He bought us so that now we belong to Him. God lives in us by His Holy Spirit. He's made a home in us. And he's renovating that home from the inside out, turning us into new people. So in verse 35, it's it's in the column on the right, middle of the page, verse 35. Paul writes, I'm saying this for your own good, not to restrict you, but that you may live in a right way, in undivided devotion to the Lord that's what god wants for you to live for him in undivided devotion for you to live for him today wholeheartedly don't let your earthly circumstance dominate your life it's not the main thing god has not just given you the situation you're in he has supplied everything that you need to follow him in the midst of it. As we end, I I just want to remind you of where we started in 1 Corinthians. So if you'll turn a couple of pages back with me to chapter 1. Uh, Chapter 1 from verse 4. Remember who our God is. Chapter 1, verse 4. I always thank my God for you, Because of His grace, that's His undeserved generosity that has been given to us in Christ Jesus. For in Him, you have been enriched in every way. And then from verse 7, Therefore you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. That's our God. He is a generous gift giver. Fix your eyes on Him. He has enriched us in every way. There is nothing that you lack. It might not seem that way, but here's the truth. You don't need a magic lamp or a genie to wish your life better. Your loving Father has got it. He has already acted to give you His Son, Jesus. You are right where He wants you to be today. And He's given you everything that you need to be satisfied in Him, to follow Him in faith. There is no external situation in your life that can stop you living for Jesus today. Please, will you pray that in with me? Gracious Father, we confess that we are so easily dissatisfied. We focus on what's right in front of us, whether it's an inconvenient situation or real hardship and suffering. Give us eyes to see your hand in our lives, to recognize your grace to us in Christ Jesus. Give us peace and contentment in him and faith to follow Jesus today. Amen.